Hi, this is Horacio Pérez Sánchez and I welcome you to the podcast Researching the Research, the podcast where we will talk about research and researchers, how research is carried out in academia and industry, and we will interview researchers to understand how they do their discoveries and how they live, suffer and enjoy all the stages of their scientific career. And we will also talk about productivity techniques to improve these processes. We will also highlight and comment about last worldwide research and impact news in all fields. And in addition, we will talk not only about academic research, but also about technology transfer and how research is performed in startups and industry. Do you want to know how is it possible to discover new drugs using computational methods? So if you are really interested on this question, then stay tuned because today we are going to dedicate this episode to that really, really important part of structural bioinformatics. But as usual, and before going directly to this episode, we are going to make uh, to dedicate this episode to somebody very, very, very important. When you submit a manuscript to a journal uh, and you get the, the reviews, there's usually, well, you can find sometimes, uh, let's suppose you have a very good manuscript and uh, the main editor paste your manuscript to the reviewers and then you get the feedback and you can get for instance the um, reviews from three reviewers two of them let's suppose they are kind of good they complain about some minor details but at the end there is some reviewer called usually the second reviewer or the reviewer number two who usually complains a lot about everything and sometimes he or she makes very harsh questions that can really, really complicate the approval of your manuscript. So to this episode, uh, we are going to dedicate it to this uh, second reviewer. Please. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. As you know, this kind of dedications are usually with a sense of humor and we don't really like to have this second reviewer in our manuscripts but uh, i think we should include some humor in this kind of research science and everything uh, and not to take it very very seriously by the way uh this week i will put the link in the show notes this week um we get the list of uh what some people call the anti nobel prizes Okay, this kind of prizes uh, are kind of uh, prizes that are given to researchers in many different research areas and where they did really serious research. I mean, this is not uh, faulty research or research that was not performed in the right conditions, but they, they did study problems that will cause you to think a little bit about it. Okay, some really notorious research. For instance, one of these anti Nobel prizes uh, this year, I think, I, I don't know if it was in the economy area, 
but uh, uh, he did some study and uh, he realized at the end that the level of corruption of uh, the politicians from my country is somehow proportionally related with the uh, degree of fat or how obese are these uh, politicians. <laughs> so check it out. It's kind of interesting. Okay, good. So now we are going directly to start the episode. Okay, so uh, we want to tell uh, how can we discover new drugs using computers and this is a podcast about research but uh, and we will uh, we will focus on many different research areas I mean science engineering humanities a lot of things but from time to time we will also focus on the uh, research areas that are closely related to the research we do in our group in the Structural Bioinformatics and High Performance Computing Research Group BioSPC at Universidad Católica de Murcia UCAM in Murcia, Spain. Okay, so uh, you can expect some episodes if you really like structural bioinformatics, high performance computing and computational drug discovery, you can expect some episodes into that direction, like today's. Okay, so you wonder how can we discover new drugs? Well, first, we need to tell you that this is a multidisciplinary research field. Uh, it uh, needs to involve researchers from many different areas. So I'm going to give you a brief overview. I'm not going into details, but I'm going to give you some brief introduction about the areas that are needed in order to perform such research. First, uh, first field is structural bioinformatics. What does it mean? Uh, this is the field where uh, we study the structure of biomolecules, protein, DNAs, and so on and so forth, and uh, we try to exploit the structural information available from experiments or other sources in order to reach conclusions that are very relevant in different uh, bio biological fields. So that will be structural bioinformatics. Second, we also need to go to high performance computing. What is this? This is the area in which uh, we try to run all the software that implements all these calculations. Uh, well, we are going to say it in a very simple way, but uh, it's a little bit more complicated. But we try to run all these calculations into supercomputers. And this needs some technique. It's not straightforward. Uh, and more important, this is mandatory because usually you need to perform a vast amount of calculation. So second thing will be hard performance computing. Third will be uh, what we call uh, computational drug discovery. What is this? This is an area that takes um, kind of uh, research areas from chemistry, computer science, biology, biotechnology, but the main point is to, uh, to be able to propose molecules uh, that can evolve into drugs or understand how uh, some, molecule, some molecules can provide some effect 
regarding their interactions with uh, enzymes that are uh, very relevant in uh, in some diseases. Okay, so these are the three the three areas that we need in order to be successful in a drug discovery project. Let's see: structural informatics, high performance computing, and computational drug discovery. From these three, the third one is kind of the most um, fuzzy. I mean, not clear, not clear, because it can include contributions from many different areas. But we are going to focus directly into, into the area that we are going to talk about. And I think you will understand more clearly what this area is. Okay, so in computational drug discovery, uh, there are at the same time different sub areas in which we can work. But we are going to focus uh, today in virtual screening. What is virtual screening? It's a computational technique that uh, tries to uh, process, uh, uh, we say in silico, using the computer, we try to process a database of millions or thousands of compounds in order to rank potential candidates that can inhibit some protein. Okay, there can be more exact definitions, but I think you can get some, some idea. So very important, uh, processing large databases of compounds in order to provide candidates that can evolve into drugs. Well, and at the same time, in this virtual screening, uh, there are two big classifications. Uh, probably you heard about them if you're into the field, but they are structure-based virtual screening and ligand-based virtual screening. I'm going to briefly tell you about them. Structure-based virtual screening is when uh, we, uh, with the objective of uh, trying to discover new drugs, we uh, try to exploit structural information, available structural information that can be useful in this context, okay? And ligand-based virtual screening means that uh, we exploit information ab about uh, molecules that have been already characterized into some disease context and which might have some uh, inhibitory activity, okay? But we only know information about the molecules. I'm going to put some, some examples. Okay, so regarding structure-based virtual screening, uh, we might exploit the information regarding the uh, crystallographic structure of, of a protein. Okay, and then if we focus on the uh, log key model, uh, let's suppose uh, we can think about the protein like if it was a, a log, and since we know the structure of the protein, we know the structure of the lock, then it will be much easier uh, for us, but it is, it's not so easy anyway, it will be much easier for us to propose uh, new keys that can fit into that lock. Okay, so structure-based virtual screening. And in this domain, we have many different techniques, but we will focus on docking, molecular docking, and uh, perhaps even in molecular dynamics. There are many other techniques, but these two 
are some of the most widely useful uh, use uh, techniques. Okay, then ligand based virtual screening. Uh, we could, for instance, have the information that uh, some molecule has been characterized as a drug, and then we try to abstract uh, some relevant information about it, like its molecular shape or we say to develop a pharmacophoric model. What is a pharmacophoric model? It's an abstraction of the uh, key interactions uh, we think might be relevant for this molecule or new molecules to interact with the enzyme. So for instance, if we have aspirin, uh, we could think, okay, uh, we have some, some aromatic ring, so we need some aromatic uh, pharmacophoric feature, and then we have some oxygen atom that could uh, probably interact through hydrogen bonds. So then I have some hydrogen bond, uh, pharmacophoric feature, and so on and so forth. Then we assign these uh, pharmacophoric features into some parts of the space, and then we create some model that uh, we will exploit. I will dedicate some other episode to that part, but now uh, I just wanted to give you some, some introduction, okay? Good. So today we are going to focus in structure-based virtual screening and more specifically into molecular docking. Good. So what is molecular docking? Molecular docking, uh, following the key log analogy uh, we talked about before, is a technique that, uh, uh, given given a protein structure and a small molecule like structure, tries to um, calculate the interaction of the ligand with the protein. Okay, and for that we need to put uh, first. Uh, this is our our um, our task to put the ligand in some specific part of, of the protein where we think the ligand could interact with the protein. Okay, so sometimes, most of the cases, people decide that uh, they want to check if that ligand could uh, block the active site of an enzyme. So we would put the ligand there. We specified uh, some Cartesian coordinates. We put the ligand there. And at first, and using some uh, uh, something called scoring function, I'm not going into detail today about this. We will dedicate some other episodes to that part. But uh, this scoring function tries to calculate using different techniques how intense is the interaction of the ligand with the protein in that part of the space, and for that exact conformation or arrangement of atoms. Of the ligand uh, with, with the protein. Okay. Okay. So the method, the molecular docking methods, uh, do that procedure first. And second, uh, it tries to make some small modification of the ligand, like a displacement, a very small displacement in space, or it rotates the molecule, or it contracts or expands the, the ligand. Most of the time, the structure of the protein is kept rigid, okay? And on each new step, it recalculates the, this scoring function and it generates what we could call a docking score, which tries to be a very rough simplification of the uh, uh, free energy of binding, okay? But, but it's, it's very rough estimation, I can tell you. <laughs> 
and uh, if it finds lower values, it will mean that uh, the interactions between Langdon and protein are more intense, and it proceeds a lot of times, sometimes even uh, hundreds of thousands of times, until it reaches a, a point where it cannot find more optimal interaction uh, ligand poses and it stops. And it gives you a number, uh, a final estimation of that free uh, binding affinity. Okay, this is the main idea of molecular docking. But the point is that first, uh, what the simulation methods uh, method is performing with the ligand is not something um, the dynamical trajectory that the ligand uh, follows in space. Okay, no, is the this kind of simulation is performed in in some other kind of <clears throat> energetic space. So at the moment, uh, you just should be aware that this is not a dynamical trajectory. For that, we should perform molecular dynamics, which uh, we are not going to explain at, at the moment. Uh, you will be wondering, okay, if, if that kind of molecular dynamics thing is more precise, why don't we use it? That's a good question. And it is because computational cost. Okay, more or less, we can say that on a regular computer, the simulation, the molecular docking simulation of an average size protein with an average size ligand can take something like five minutes while a 100 nanoseconds molecular dynamics trajectory of the same system can take uh, uh, one day or, or even more. So it's, it's very different. <laughs> it's very different. So uh, what we do usually is to perform first this kind of docking simulations. Okay. And uh, please don't forget that uh, we are not talking here about a single protein ligand simulation because uh, we want to process a database that can contain thousands of millions of compounds and from all of them prioritize or rank the top compounds in order to uh, select them and test them. How do we do this? As I told you, we perform docking simulations for all of them and we obtain the, uh, the docking scores. Okay, so at the end, we take uh, or we prioritize or we rank the compounds which are in the 1% top rank of these values. Then we can add some additional criteria, but we select uh, from that list the top one. And then uh, those compounds are prioritized for experimental characterization. Okay, because please don't forget that we are talking about computational techniques and these techniques are not 100% accurate. Okay, it, they contain a lot of inaccuracies even nowadays. So we need to live with that and we need to know that they are not totally accurate. So please, if you read some papers and they tell you that their methods are incredible, uh, please take that with a grain of salt, okay? No computational method can predict anything with 100% accuracy uh, yesterday, today, or in 100 years. I don't know, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is a bold hypothesis, but please take care with that. Well, anyway, uh, 
as we were talking uh, before, we want to discover new drugs and we are doing the in silico calculations. So uh, we process a database that contains one million of compounds. Uh, we perform docking simulation for all of them. First, uh, of course, uh, we usually perform all these calculations in a supercomputer. Otherwise, it would take uh, really a lot of years in your laptop or your laptop would even die because overheating or something else. Okay, we perform the calculation in a supercomputer uh, and uh, we expect usually the calculations to finish in a few days, less than a week, something like, like that in order to have a first round of results. Okay, good. So this is what we usually do. And then, as I told you, uh, we focus on the top scanning compounds and then we select some of them for the experimental testing. Uh, we, will we will dedicate later some other episodes for, for that part, but at the moment, you just need to know that. Okay, uh, molecular docking. Uh, there is a lot of software nowadays with which you can perform molecular docking. Uh, I'm going to tell you the name of some of the most famous docking programs. So you have Autodoc4, Autodoc Vina, uh, Doc, Glide, and there is also Metadoc, which is another docking software that we develop in our group. And yeah, but most, most of this software runs um, on the command line. On the command line. So uh, at first, uh, it's not straightforward for new users to uh, exploit such software and even more complicated if you want to run the calculations on a supercomputer. You need to, to have some, some deep knowledge of uh, Linux and some other tools in order to be able to, to, to perform them. Okay, So we could also divide this kind of docking tools uh, into two areas. First would be command line applications, okay? Like I said, Autodoc Vina or Metadoc 2, the one that we developed and that you should try to use right now. <laughs> you can you can request a copy to us if you want, okay? We have, by the way, demonstrated that Metadoc 2 runs 20 times much faster than Autodoc 4 and that using the same scoring function, uh, outperforms also Autodoc uh, for in terms of accuracy but anyway i will talk about this in another episode but anyway there are the common line molecular docking programs but sometimes you also have some uh, docking software available through a web server and this is very nice because uh, users that uh, don't have such uh, don't have much um, computer science knowledge can go directly to their browser and just upload uh, some molecule, some ligands, press some buttons, and perform very easily the calculations. Well, the problem here is that uh, even if uh, such tools are very easy to use, uh, don't forget, and I told you about that uh, before, you need the access to supercomputing resources. Some resources are not usually free. And if you connect to, to a web server, uh, uh, it will be possible to screen usually uh, some kind of small databases, kind of, I don't know, thousands or even less of compounds. 
because the people that make the server and if this is free for you uh, they need to um, take care that the resources that the computational resources they have are enough in order to serve a lot of people coming from different parts of the world okay uh, next you can go to paid virtual screening services on the web on the cloud there are many from Schrodinger, the people that make Maestro, for instance, they are going to release. No, no, they already release it. Uh, anyone uh, from some other people. Okay. Well, so you can use molecular docking command line tools and also on web servers. Uh, we, our group, by the way, has developed two web servers that can help you to perform uh, using very very easy tools uh, molecular docking calculations in the context of the of diabetes and also in the context of uh, blind docking okay now it comes the time for the blind docking this is the technique i wanted to, te to tell you about so so much what is blind docking uh, let's put it the other way uh, molecular docking is a technique uh, that can be very useful uh, a lot of groups have used uh, in pharma industry have used this technique in order to discover new compounds but it has a very important shortcoming a very important problem which is that uh, you need to focus the calculation on some specific part of the protein of course you want to inhibit an enzyme uh, it's really clear to you that the active site is the most relevant part for the calculation no problem no problem but you should realize that this will not be always the case it could happen that there may be some other parts of the protein that are even more relevant for the regulation of its activity and uh, in such cases uh, we should block that parts with some molecules okay so uh, in other words uh, proteins have many can have many different hotspots that can be hidden or not trivially um, characterized in very different parts of their surface so we have developed one method uh, we have implemented some method called blind docking what is blind docking is uh, as an idea very similar to the one of molecular docking but uh, the user only needs to specify the ligand and the protein and then the calculation is performed across all the protein surface and then the method ranks uh, for each compound okay this technique is the very the, the, depends on the compound the most relevant interaction uh, clusters we call them clusters okay and it's very important to mention <clears throat> that uh, okay there are some other tools that uh, when they analyze the surface of the protein they propose some hotspots hot but the main drawback of such techniques is that uh, the that prediction is performed in a very general way they pretend the technique to be useful for all compounds but this is not realistic so uh, in our proposal uh, you perform these blind docking calculations and for each ligand the method will tell you 
the parts of the protein where the compound might interact with. And we have used it for allosteric inhibitors in order to predict uh, novel reaction mechanisms or modes of action. And it has worked in a very in a very nice way. Okay. I'm going to <clears throat> provide you in the show notes some links to some of our publications. And now more, more important, more important, um, um, this technique is available through a, through a web server, which is called Achilles Blind Docking Server, and you can use it there for free. You log into the system, and then you only need to upload your protein and your ligand. And then you will be able to see, <clears throat> after the calculation is finished, a very nice uh, report, very easy to understand, with the uh, most relevant interaction hotspots for that ligand. Okay? In addition, in addition, uh, we have implemented uh, the blind docking method in the MetaDoc2 docking program I told you about before. It runs on the GPU. Um, some other day I will talk more in detail uh, about what a GPU is, but it can provide a, a very impressive uh, throughput performance regarding the the sampling accuracy of the docking method. Okay, I will tell about this more in detail in another episode. Okay, so regarding this blind docking idea, as I told you, it is implemented by our group into the MetaDoc2 uh, docking program and also through the blind docking server. The blind docking server, uh, we will release the first uh, paper soon, but it's nice that uh, even if any publication about the server. Uh, the server started online uh, three years ago, and at the moment it has been used in more than uh, 60 publications by researchers from all around the world. Uh, and they started to use it uh, word by mouth, so it means for us that the tool is working really, really, really well. Okay. In addition, uh, the technique, <coughs> we are adding a lot of improvements to the technique, uh, but at the moment they are not available uh, through the web server because they are computationally very expensive. Uh, we only use it uh, through our backend, and, but we have additional features, like for instance, <coughs> you can use several uh, docking methods at the same time, uh, consensus scoring approaches, uh, Rescoring uh, using molecular dynamics and some other things, and also the applications of machine learning techniques in order to improve the consensus process. Uh, okay, but I think uh, it's enough for, for, for the moment. So, uh, the idea here basically, <clears throat> and I'm going to end, to end the episode now is that uh, first uh, you can discover uh, new drugs using computers and using these methods based on structural bioinformatics, high-performance computing, and computational drug discovery. Using these technique, techniques, then you go to virtual screening. <coughs> In virtual screening, <coughs> sorry, we focus on structure-based virtual screening, and thereon, we use uh, molecular docking methods, okay? In order to process databases that contain millions or thousands of compounds. When we are sure about the interaction site, 
for instance, the active site of, of a protein. That is the information we specify for all the screening process. But when we are not sure about that, we should perform blend docking calculations. And for that, we provide easily. I will give you the link in the show notes, our blind docking server, and you can test it and you will see that it's very easy to, to use. And it has been used at the moment in top publications, in journals like Nature Chemical Biology, Science Advances, and many other very good journals. Well, I'm going to end now and I would like to, to thank it's, it's also very important to all the funding agencies that helped us to, to build this, this brain docking technique. And one of them is uh, Spanish Ministry of Science. We got a grant from them in 2017. Uh, we would also la, like to thank Fundación, Ren, uh, Fundación Seneca de la Región de Murcia. Uh, we have a grant and it's helping us a lot in order to develop the, this technique and also the application of the technique to, to different pharmacological contexts like cancer, where we have obtained and licensed some compounds. I will talk about this in some other episode, but we are really uh, grateful about the efforts in order to fund uh, research. We would also like to thank Horizon 2020 program uh, we also got a grant from them. Uh, it's not for the direct application of brain docking methods, but uh, in, in that project, we have developed some machine learning ideas that we realize are also useful for this blind docking approach. And uh, we will talk about this sometime later on. Okay, so if you have any question about uh, all this thing, about uh, all the things that I comment in this episode. You know, uh, we have a, a group, a Telegram group, uh, where you can contribute to a lot of very interesting discussions, or you can contact me directly by, by email, and we can initiate a discussion. Or if you want to access uh, Metadoc2, you can also contact us. Or uh, if you want to know some more details about how the technique works. Also, if you are interested that we perform calculations for some of our project of your projects, for instance, let's suppose you are an experimental group and you are you focus your studies uh, in some specific protein that is relevant for some very important disease, and uh, you want to collaborate with us in some drug discovery project, you can also contact me and we can talk. Even you are experimental uh, research group or you are a company. Uh, we have collaborated with many companies and research groups, as you can see in our publications. So you are welcome for discussion. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Researching the Research. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If that was the case, then I would be very happy if you subscribe to the show in any of the platforms it is available. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Or suggest it to other people you think it might be interested on it.
You can also rate the show with four or five stars if you like, and that will help me a lot in the promotion of the podcast. In the episode's notes, you will find additional information and also some links to a Telegram group where we discuss in a more engaged way about the podcast episode and other unreleased material, and also my research consultancy website in case you want to receive more information about the productivity techniques discussed or regarding how to improve your critical research processes. Thanks a lot for listening, and I hope to meet you again in the next episode of the podcast. Bye.